We're on Hollywood Boulevard. That's right. We're back to the future because we were in the past on our other pod. Um, Here we go. How's life? I'm exhausted. You know, it's a it's a constant feeling. Quite I frankly, I know. I know. It really is. So, what you got going on, my friend? Well, I uh, took another trip to the theater. Ooh, would you? And I went to Ireland, in fact, but not really. Just just. In Chelsea, I went to the Irish Repertory Theater um, to see an off-Broadway show, a musical version of a book slash movie you may be familiar with from the '90s called The Butcher Boy. Yeah, I I could okay. So I've seen that I've I've seen that this was out there, and I couldn't remember why do I know that. It's an Irish novel, and then Neil Jordan, who did The Crying Game, among others, made Turned it, into it into a movie. A movie in the late nineties. Yeah, the Got book it. is from ninety two. The film is from ninety eight. Um, and I haven't read the the novel, but I liked the movie. And it is a dark, but also sort of darkly comic look at a a young man with some deeply disturbed problems growing up in in nineteen sixties. Um. And he has a lot of mental issues and also, you know, experiences a lot of, um, like, uh, nurture problems as well that don't do him any favors, including an alcoholic father and a, a mother uh, with a extreme mental illness. Um, and he, he sort of uh, fixates on uh, one he has there's two characters who are his contemporaries who are also young men in the town the small town he grows up in um and one is a good friend to him and one is kind of a nemesis uh with a mother who really is a nemesis to him she nags him um and calls him a pig and so one of the sort of light motifs of the novel and the film and then one that's sort of brought into relief in this musical version um is that of uh the the pig so we have a chorus of four performers with pig masks on that sort of function as not quite his id or super ego but just sort of like i guess sort of like a devil on his shoulders and that like they they are there to both assuage him and and encourage him that the things he's thinking and wanting to do are right. And I won't give too much away other than to say a lot of the things that he does are very wrong. They're very bad. Um, and so I, what I've said is the plot of the book and the movie and the musical. The adaptation is fairly straightforward, though it, it sort of dwells more on trying to surprise or shock the audience with some of the reveals that happen, mostly involving different characters dying or disappearing Hmm. um, rather than sort of focusing on the institutions that enable this kind of behavior to happen. Um, A couple things I want to mention though, specific to the musical. um, It is uh, adapted. The book, the, the music and the lyrics are all from one source, a man named Asher Muldoon who I think is 23 years old, but he's actually still a Princeton student. He's like a rising senior at Princeton University. And oh he has God. already written his uh, a, a musical and gotten a production at a fairly well-known, a fairly prominent uh, New York theater, which oh is God. quite a coup. 
That is quite a coup. Um, is the show doesn't all work. The show kind of far from working <laughs> uh, is more like it. So it's an audacious attempt at something that doesn't really get off the ground. But nonetheless, it's a you know the uh, announcement of a a significant talent with a lot of potential nonetheless uh one of the things is yes the show is done at irish rep yes it is set in ireland but it doesn't really feel uniquely irish in any uh, in any other sense of its vision the music itself doesn't feel uniquely irish or celtic like one would expect uh it could have been like uh, set in a small town in you know like post-war america something like that as well um, but the cast is good. And the other thing that I really wanted to dwell on is the lead performance of young Francie by Nicholas Barish is terrific. And it shouldn't be overshadowed by the fact that the show is maybe a middling enterprise. He's excellent. I had seen him as a young actor. He was in the uh, revival of She Loves Me about six or seven years ago. He just did the Hades Town national tour as the lead. And um, he apparently made his Broadway debut, though I hadn't seen him do it, in the the second-to-last West Side Story revival in 2009, mm. the last one that Arthur Lawrence himself was involved with. Um, so he's really got major cred already. He's really great. And um, I think he really gives it his all. Um, I think, if anything, the audience is so either taken aback or shocked by some of the subject matter uh, that I think they find it hard to respond to the performer by show's end. Um, but it's kind of an ovation-worthy performance. It just doesn't get one uh, from this audience at the Irish Rep. But I'd say it's it's worth saluting Nicholas Barish. Look, the show, um, the show doesn't really take off, and it's not necessarily edgy or confrontational in a way that should be saluted. It's more just like... It, it bides its time waiting to pull punches. So mm. if you know the story, the punches don't fully work because we aren't talking about the psychology or the environmental factors that are going into what Francie is really dealing with throughout um, the show. Uh, there's a lot of torment that we don't really address because we're more focused on um, there's some bad things happening to people. Um, this, it kind of feels like a, a, a rare misstep for Irish rep, particularly in terms of script. I feel like that's the one thing they always get right along with the acting. I, I don't wrong? know. Let me, um, well, you, you may not be wrong. I'm, I'm going to try and be kind and say I'm often nonplussed by work that the Irish rep does. It often okay. feels to me, and I, I'll say it feels like community theater, but I actually have a lot of respect for community theater as an institution i keep that in very high regard the irish rep performances to me typically just feel kind of cheap they often do very quality works though um more they're they more often than not i think revive things that are or unearth things that are established but haven't been performed in a long time rather than debut things you know i saw Matthew Broderick do The Weir there a few years ago. Okay. It wasn't a great production, but that's a pretty strong play. Um, you know, they've done a lot of older Irish um, playwrights. They've even built seasons around. 
And the shows themselves, sometimes you see like the cobwebs on them. Sometimes the, you know, the pacing lacks that sort of thing. I don't always love look forward or love going to see shows at the Irish Rep, but I was definitely curious about this one. So to me, if it's misguided, it's not necessarily out of uh, the realm of possibility for them. Okay. Fair um, enough. But there's still a few weeks to go for The Butcher Boy, and um, I don't know that there's a future life, at least maybe in New York City, for it. But Nicholas Barish is to be remembered for his work in it. That's for sure. Okay. Excellent. Um, I can talk about a couple of movies I've seen, but uh, just checking if there's anything you got going on on uh, your side of the world. I mean, you know, I'm still like, wait, what have, what have we been doing? You know, I mean, I think that the only thing that I can say is I went to see the Black Keys a couple of weeks ago. That's neat. And they were great. Oh, good. I'm glad. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Damn. One of where the best did you shows go? Ever. Where, where were they? Um, it's it, Okay, it is called the Xfinity Center in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Um, I knew it when I was growing up as Great Woods. We had phenomenal seats. Um, like, like, we were like seven rows from the front. Sweet. I've never been that close in my entire life. And they just put on a really great show. Like, yeah. it was just truly, it was, like, really fucking good. And, um, oh, I forgot the name of these, uh, the, the artists. There is a guitar and a bass player that um, played with, like, these old blues le- legends. And they apparently played on the Black Keys' very first album. And oh. those men, they brought them out on stage for a bunch of songs uh, from that first album. So it was, like, this hardcore blues uh, sort of like happening in the middle of the show and it was so good and I've never heard guitar playing like that in my entire oh, life no and kidding. I was just like yeah I was blown away wow um, that's pretty great yeah it was a really fantastic show and Band of Horses opened for them and they oh, were terrific oh I haven't heard from them in so long I used to love them and then that's and a then great lineup a new find for me um, Concrete Animals was the opener oh, opener neat. Um, and they're a band out of Pennsylvania and they're very, like very young and they were excellent. And they actually had the audacity to wrap their setup with a black keys <laughs> cover and they killed it. So it was, it was all in all a really fantastic show. It was a fantastic night. Um, yeah, the, this, the, the venue is like an, it's like an amphitheater. It's outdoors, even though they have like a, um, like they have like a covering on it, like, or like a roof. But, but it's all like open air on the sides. So it's only open, you know, during the nice weather. But I have to say, like, it was a really great experience to go see a show there. And like I said, my suits were phenomenal. Um, and it was just really fun. Well, that, I mean, what you said there at the end is the best part. I know. And it's black- nice to just do like the simple, normal things and enjoy them. I feel <laughs> like we keep making things harder on ourselves or having no choice but to. Um, it's nice when it can just be. easy like that and fun yeah and you know it was the tickets were i mean the tickets were expensive but they weren't as far as like concerts go they weren't ridiculously overpriced and um so that was nice and i don't know it just i i hadn't seen a live show in a big venue in a really long time um 
And so it was just kind of cool to like get back there and get back into it. And oh, and this was the other thing I want to say. And it was really great to like listen to a band who didn't need auto tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. all of them, all all of the bands sounded great live, and they had a really great sound engineer doing the sound because that's the other thing that I found is that like especially with these younger artists that can't carry a tune, they also have terrible sound engineers working with them. And I don't understand why. Yeah. I would uh, echo all of that as my experience with the new breed. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really amazing to me that like these younger artists like cannot hold vocally, cannot hold, hold themselves up. And they also don't have a, a sound engineer or a sound mm-hmm. team that can even assist, you know what I mean? Like give them some sort of assist. It is, it is shocking to me that, um, that they don't have somebody that actually knows what they're doing, you know, working sound for these bands. Yeah. You would think that's part of the whole thing that there's enough, uh, people who know what they're doing. You would. So anyway, if you ever get an opportunity to see the black keys, two thumbs up, highly recommend um it was a great show good to know um yeah because i've been a fan yeah so that was my little bit well i don't think i've seen anything live in a while outside of theater when was the last time i saw live music it may have been amy mann a few months back unless i'm unless i'm blanking something out which was great um maybe maybe again sometime yeah i'm hoping I'm hoping in October to get to the Dropkick Murphys because they're doing oh, an fun. acoustic show of oh, all neat. things. Um, so I'm, I want to see if I can get press comps though. Oh, that would be a cool uh, coup. Yeah, which would be score. a nice coup. Which would be a very nice coup. So I'm going to see. I'm going to see if I can get some press comps to that one. Not that I don't want to pay for it, but um, well, I mean, Mama's running out of money. Helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we po over here. We we are Paul. We are. <laughs> we are. So, what movies did you see? We saw on Netflix Persuasion, the newest adaptation starring Dakota Johnson. Uh, and doesn't really work. Um, um it's it's directed by a British um stage director named Carrie Cracknell. And, um, you know, it's kind of an idiosyncratic mix of classic Jane Austen with some modern twists. So there's a lot of, uh, like Dakota Johnson starts breaking the fourth wall and eyeing the camera, which is something that like Fleabag did a lot of that they do now in Abbott Elementary. Um, you know, it's sort of opens up a fourth wall that they don't do anything with otherwise, you know, it's just like from the school of the office, but without actually doing anything else. Um, Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not particularly winning. And, you know, one of the, the male characters who vies for her affection is played by Henry Golding, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. And, um, gosh, he's just got to be one of, like, the worst and least charismatic actors in movies today. Like, I mm. see him and I just know, like, he is going to suck the soul out of whatever the project is. Um, so, yeah, that one's a bit of a bummer. Also, 
because one of the credited screenwriters is Ron Bass, who did Rain Man and who I've always thought of as being a pretty great screenwriter. So um, I don't know if this one was just he did a polish on it, but a lot of it was already set. And it makes me go back and want to compare, sort of compare, at least think back to Fire Island, the film that adapted Pride and Prejudice into um, truly modern times and did so for the most part quite well. Um, so there are ways to do it and there are ways to keep Jane Austen around, uh, that work versus ways that feel just a little bit more labored. So, um, gosh, I can't say it's been a great summer for me and Dakota Johnson because she was also in Cha-Cha Real Smooth on, on Apple TV and and that wasn't so great. However, I don't think she is the problem with either of them. Okay. So persuasion's there, but... I'm not going to persuade you to go and see it. There's a a better, more definitive version from the mid-90s that, if you want to, and to be a Jane Austen completist, I'd recommend. (laughs) But then I got a movie that's so much easier to sit through. And uh, I don't remember. I think it's on Hulu. Um, The Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, uh, Oh! Oh, yeah! And it's fun. Okay. Okay. now, have you ever seen the show? No. So it's a pretty smart show. It's a pretty fun show. It's been on, I don't know, like 10, 12 years now. The last couple seasons um, started to disappoint a little only because, so we have a family, mother, dad, three young kids. They live in, you know, what's essentially like Atlantic City, uh, and they have a burger shop. But there's a lot of really funny situations, a lot of really funny dialogue that comes within there. However, what started to happen is that there's been an A plot and a B plot. And one is the parents plot and one is the kids subplot. And the twain don't really meet. They just sort of travel their own arcs until the episode ends. So the movie is a return to what the show had done better, which was unit, unite the the two parts of the family. Okay. Um and this is uh, years prior to the film. Someone has been murdered and the skeleton is discovered when there is a sinkhole. And now the town is wondering uh, who might have been the culprit. And the kids are doing one thing that leads them on the trail of someone. And the parents find themselves right smack dab in the middle of all that action. And the family has to work together to kind of uh, solve and, and escape what's going on. Um, really fun. The voice work is always just like on the show is good. I would have never seen this in the theater. It was initially released in May theatrically. Um, but once it came to streaming, we were very happy to see it. Oh, well, very cool. So, so yes, that's a recommendation for the Bob's Burgers movie. I think we still, there's a couple of this year's other animated films we want to get to. Um, the Lightyear movie, which is like tangential to the Toy Story universe, is now on Disney+. And we'd like to give that a shot. And I know Peacock has The Bad Guys, which um, we missed like in March or April of this year. So we'd like to give both of those a shot. Well, cool. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think in terms of things that I have seen... I don't know that anything else 
super recent. So maybe by next week, we will have caught something more. If you guys have anything to recommend to either of us, as always, we are nothing but ears. Um, I still have a list that's growing of things that I want to see. Um, but before we go, Karen, I just wanted to mention, we started talking on something that seemed almost like portentous when we were talking about how stuff lives on streaming because just hours after we recorded that's when hbo max announced that they were pulling the plug on batgirl not releasing it and it came to like that multiple other titles some of which were on my list to watch at one point on hbo max had already been disappeared really including there was um a melissa mccarthy movie that you had seen super intelligence that we just will never get to because it doesn't exist anywhere now so they swiped it off. Yeah. What? So what are they cleaning house? Are they like trying to like erase everything that they're embarrassed about? Well, my initial response is no. I think it has to do with these are the Warner titles that were then sold to HBO Max early in COVID as a means of finding a place for them. Um, but I think there are other titles that predate yeah. all of this. Like the Martin Scorsese produced show Vinyl. Also with Bobby Cannavale, I think. Yeah. Um, Did that guy? It's gone, and that's from like 2015 or 16, and it's gone. I don't know. I don't know what the. Yeah, I watched like two episodes, and I was was good. But I wanted it to be there for other people to watch. That's weird that they just kind of did all this housekeeping. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, Alyssa thinks, oh, well, maybe was it a music rights thing? Because they were so, it was a high-budget show um, because of all of the the songs they were licensing. Did that play a role? And and maybe it did, but I don't think that's a consistent thread pulled through. Yeah. Don't they rotate shit, though? Don't they, like, rotate shit? Like, they'll take it off, then they'll put it on. They might. I like. I have seen that happen across the streamers, where stuff comes and goes and shows up somewhere else. But no one from HBO Max has spoken up and said that that is what is going to happen and that you will see these things again. Which leads me to believe they don't have a plan to to have them come back. It may happen later, but I don't think that's their plan right now. And I don't know if more things are going to be um, yanked as well. So I guess the moral of the story is, guys, don't sleep on anything. If there's something you think you want to watch, do it now. Yeah, do it now because you never Physical know. Physical media disappear. is the only true thing. <laughs> Might disappear. So, yeah, I just thought, well, maybe as usual, I find uh, our finger was on the pulse. We anticipated something. I know. Look at us. Look at us being all prescient. Yeah. I don't know what that means happens tomorrow. I don't. <laughs> I hope. I hope the butcher boy doesn't close prematurely. And that, you know. <laughs> Look at you single-handedly shutting down shows. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not. Unless it's good news. Unless the Black Keys is like, yeah, and we're releasing something new. We're doing a grander tour. I don't know. Yeah. We're just going to do the, that same tour all over again. They don't need to do a grander tour. It just has to be the same one all over again. It was that good. I believe it. Yeah. All right, my darling. I am going to go to bed. That was us for this week. If there's anything you guys want to um, hear from us, back on the block pod on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, So come and find us. Uh, Otherwise, have a great week, and we'll see you next week back on Hollywood Boulevard.